Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rask. And we're here to give you the tools and knowledge to invest both your time and money better. If you're new, feel free to jump in with our Starter Pack series that aired in early 2022 or our Shares or ETF mini series. We've got plenty to share with you in today's episode, but if you want to catch us on socials, head to Rask Australia on Insta and Twitter. I'm also found at Kate Campbell AUS on Insta. And I'm Owen Rask AU on Insta. Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us. And just one final heads up before we get into the show. This podcast contains general financial information only. Kate Campbell, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. It's good to be back, Owen, to provide everyone a little bit of an update because there's been a few things going on in the world of finance this week. Yeah, we're recording on the 4th of May, which is Thursday. This episode comes out on the Friday. So we're kind of cutting it tight, but we are because the RBA, which is the organization you probably read about in the news or heard on the show, they set the official interest rate. And your mortgage or your interest rate in your bank account, basically any interest rate, is priced or set in reference to this official rate. So, for example, the easiest way to think about it would be to use round figures. If the official interest rate by the RBA was 3%, typically a good mortgage would be around 5%, so plus 2%. But if you have a personal loan, it could be like plus 5%, so it could be 8% or even more. Uh, And that's really important because it affects what we call credit, people's access to loans um, and other people's money to do things with, buy a house, buy a car, by a boat, Kate, anything like mm. that uh, is basically dependent on this. So, what happened on Tuesday? Okay, so most economists, which it's a funny old title, economist. I think you can anyone can call themselves an economist, but um, most economists at the major banks said that interest rates probably wouldn't go up. The RBA meets once a month to determine how the economy is going, and they increase interest rates to slow it down, which I think a lot of people know that by now, given what's happened over the past year. The thing that caught people off guard is that most economists didn't think it would go up. And you could see that uh, in the bond market, which is like where the government goes to sell its bonds so it can raise money to fund roads and all that sort of stuff. And so that marketplace normally is a pretty good indicator of what happens to the RBA every month. And the basic idea is that the RBA did say that after it didn't raise interest rates last month, it said that we could raise in the future again. So it left the door open for that. And a lot of people just thought, okay, they're done now. And the economists thought, okay, from here on out, maybe they just leave interest rates where they are and it just slowly cools down over time. But one of the things that the RBA does, and actually one of its most important rules, is to keep inflation between 2 and 3%. And everyone knows it's not at 2 or 3%, it's well above that. Uh, but even though interest rate looks like uh, inflation looks like it's on the way down, thanks to interest rates and the economy cooling a bit, there are some things that are still persisting. So things like look around the businesses near you, interest rates haven't really had the impact on employment. So a lot of people are still, you know, it's a really good employment market. So for example, if you go to the hairdressers, you might be noticing that you can't get in because they don't have enough people because they're gone elsewhere or got a better offer, a better job somewhere else. For example, that, that and I use that example because it happened to me. Yeah, My uh, barber down here in Melbourne, um, doesn't have a barber to fill the store. So the stores are sitting empty. Mm. I've tried to go three times now. Uh, and that's because the employment market is still really tight. And the problem, there's a, that's obviously amazing that people are working, but the problem with this is that if people are swapping jobs and getting paid more and more, what happens is 
the impact of interest rates isn't as severe. So, for example, if they raise interest rates and people can just get more and more pay rises, well, the pay rises then mean that people are going to keep buying lettuces and keep buying all these things, which then pushes inflation higher and higher and higher, and the whole thing just keeps repeating. Mm. So you kind of need something to break in order for the system to work, if that makes sense. So we need to see inflation coming down, but we also need to make sure that employment, instead of, I think it's at a 50-year record low, uh, like the unemployment figure if you use a double negative. So meaning that everyone's got jobs, everyone can get paid, um, and the impact of interest rates still hasn't been enough, even though I was just telling you guys off here, it's basically like not crippled my ability to invest, but it's definitely had a noticeable impact on my monthly pay packet. Um, and so the RBA has a very uh, kind of bold forecast that they think that by 2025, inflation will reach the point of their, up, their upper range, which is 2 to 3%. So it would reach 3% by 2025. But that's not good enough. They think that they need to get there sooner. So they need to bring inflation down quicker by increasing interest rates, causing things like redundancies, unemployment, and people to stop spending as much. I mean, a lot of people have anecdotal evidence. Like they would say, I'll go down to the restaurant or whatever and be really busy. That's probably a fair thing. I mean, it depends which restaurant you go to. But um, a lot of businesses are still doing really well, even though interest rates are really high. And a lot of people are still saving money. Mm, and businesses are passing on increases yeah. to customers and people are still presumably paying in many circumstances. Yeah, and I think that maybe becomes that will become less evident in the future because people will start from now on basically start to become more discerning. So if they do realise what's happening, like everyone listening to this podcast would realise what's happening, we will start to save money. In fact, this whole half of this session is about ways to save money and be more effective with money. And obviously, if you're not pushing money through the economy, paying this business, paying that business, eventually that slows down the system. And at that point is when those businesses and those restaurants start to not employ the extra person and start to not be able to afford a pay increase or whatever. And then that's when things start to slow down properly. Yeah. And especially we were discussing off air how our interest rates on our home loans have increased. And at a certain point, you have to decide okay, now I have to put this extra money towards my home loan. Does that mean I'm going to invest less or I'm just going to spend less on subscription services or I'm going to spend less on groceries? Like you're going to have to cut money out of one part of your budget. Yeah, absolutely. Multiple. Yeah, like I, 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 roughly, in rough figures, um, my variable home loan's gone up three times. So I think we were on about 2.09 or something like that. So very low. And I think it's up over 6% now. Um, the, the, it was the ultimate bad timing for us in terms of when we could have refinanced. If we refinanced on a fixed rate, it would have been at a higher rate. But there's actually, there is some light at the end of the tunnel because um, one thing that you can study if you're into economics is you can study the bond rates. So these are like government bonds and typically you're looking at the three-year rate. So what is the, the yield on a three-year bond? And that's back down around, it's, it's slightly higher now, but it's around 3%, just over 3%. So that what that implies, if the official rate is 3.85% and the forward rate is towards 3%, it implies that the market and the banks think interest rates will fall. Now, that might get updated, obviously, this week after the decision, but basically what it implies is that the professionals expect interest rates to fall in the, th- the three-year window. And that's important because that's how 
your fixed rate is typically set. That's why it's set at like two or three years because they use that to inform how where they set the rates because um, that's where they can borrow at basically. So when when we look forward, it looks like the variable component of your home loan should come down. Obviously, they'll be slower to come down and go up because the banks will be reluctant to pass on the savings. So make sure you start shopping around and you're in contact with your broker every three months, six months, whatever, even before it rolls off uh, one rate. Even if you're not going to refinance, just keep contact with the broker uh, and just make sure they're shopping around for you. Uh, But yeah, I mean, there's so much we could go on, but that's the basis of it, Kate. So there's also a lot of change going on in the background at the RBA. We talked about this. I talked about this with um, Pete Wargen over on our property podcast last weekend. And we went into depth about some of the changes that are happening at the RBA. I don't blame the RBA for what's happening, by the way. Um, if you think about like a once in a hundred year pandemic um, and then like lots of government stimulus. So government's handing out money at the same time the RBA is trying to slow the economy down. It's kind of like the two sides of mm. the government are like competing and it's not going anywhere. Yeah. So maybe if there was more concerted effort there, it would be a bit better. But that's that's the basis of it. So now that's the big picture. Let's drill into what you can do about it. Yeah. Uh, we were putting a list and just sort of thinking about what are some of the things that we're doing and people in our community are doing right now to mm. actively deal with the fact that interest rates are up, things are getting a bit more expensive. They're probably paying more on their rent or on their mortgage. I've had some friends tell me like their rent's been increased quite substantially each fortnight. And so that's quite a... Mm. A big change for them in their budget. Absolutely. Like, well, you think about it. So, in the housing market, renters are the price takers. So, well, in this environment, they are because there's an undersupply of housing, which is another thing. We had an economist come on the property show this week, uh, actually, yesterday. Um, because there's an undersupply of housing, renters don't have the luxury of being like, oh, well, I'll just go find a better deal because that doesn't exist. Mm. So, in this instance, in this type of market, the homeowners are the price makers and the renters are the price takers. Now, if we're in a different country where there were more houses, um, we wouldn't have that. The renters could shop around yeah, and it would basically be on the homeowner to foot the bill, but they just currently pass that on to their uh, tenants. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it impacts everyone, whether you own a home, whether you don't, whether you're a retiree as well because your shares are down, you know, your bonds are down even. Mm. So, it impacts everyone. Um, and for good reason, to be honest, it might not seem like it right now, but if we let inflation spiral out of control, like, it, yeah, that has all kinds of consequences of like civil unrest and other types of things that you cannot afford to have. So you may as well take the short-term pain for the long-term gain. Yeah. So probably one of the big things to mention is like we're both continuing to invest, but we're investing less. Lesser. Less lesser money. Amount. So I think it's... Even if it's still you're just your $5 a week rounded up into your account that's sitting there when you're ready to invest, like it's good to keep that habit going, even if you can't invest mm. the same amount as you're investing before, because like you, your home loan's gone up quite a substantial amount. So yeah. I think just reinforcing like we're still investing little bits, lots of times, but just little yeah. bits. <laughs> yeah, little bits. You got to keep the habit, Kate, because if you don't keep the habit, like that's the hardest part of investing is forming that habit. A lot of people use automation to like circumvent that process, but um, that's like the the best thing is just to keep the habit. So I was just telling you before, like I've got a couple of raise accounts set up, 
and they've got very small roundup amounts, but then they've also got like recurring, I think it's like 15 bucks a fortnight yeah, or 20 you've bucks, set up something a, like that. a regular contribution plan. And I didn't realize, but I checked it out and I'm like, oh, there's like $1,100 in here. Hmm. And I was like, wow. And then there's another brokerage account, which allows uh, roundups as well. Uh, and Pearl, I can read your bank account. So like you can start to do to do things that way as well, mm. like automate that way. And it's just like these things, you don't realize, but you're actually doing it. You're actually doing the thing, which is investing. You're just doing it on a lesser amount. And then when times get good, you put more in. Yeah. But there's a thing that happens, Kate, is a lot of people don't think about this. Like say, for example, in the stock market where some shares are down or some ETFs are down, even though you're investing less now, you're getting a better deal because they're fallen. So this would be like buying you know, some sort of good from the bargain bin, even though you know it's not going out of date, you get a better deal, you spend less. Uh, it's exactly the same thing in the share market. It's just that we would like to have more money and get the deal, but that doesn't always happen when the economy is going up and down like this. So those little amounts actually make a big difference. And I would encourage everyone to keep doing it. Look around for your favorite micro-investing app, and if you haven't already, like lock it in. Get yeah, using it. And you don't lose those skills and behaviors you've built up over the last few years. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's another one though, Kate, which is the cash rewards, I think we should mention. Yeah. So if you are shopping right now, this is a good good thing to do at any time, but using cash rewards apps or discount sites, what have we got? Well, one's called cash rewards. Yeah, there's cash rewards is probably the most honey. popular. Yeah, honey. There's heaps of those. Dis- we did an episode not too long mm. ago. And there's like coupon websites. You can just Google like discount coupon codes and there's like hundreds of websites that pop up and even like things like Channel 9. Sometimes you can even just message them and say, do you have a a coupon or a special at the moment? Like it's sometimes as simple as that and they go, oh yeah, we've got a deal on, here's the coupon. I was just telling you and Monique, like 7 Plus, which is like the TV app, it seems like everyone's got a rewards program these days. They send me an email to say, I didn't even know it signed up. And they said, oh, you can get X, Y, Z off Dan Murphy's JB Hi-Fi and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize. Then there are things like if people shop online like I do, like Coles online have discounts and they can yeah. link to your flybys. And even the discounted gift cards. Yeah. On different sites, whether it's your car insurance or like I know yeah. Macquarie have a marketplace where you can get 5 to 10% CBA off on yeah. gift cards. So that's something else to use or rewards that round up into your account like you've mm. tr- tried and tested raise rewards as well yeah i've been using raise rewards a lot to be honest uh, and we have one set up for the company account as well uh, and it just it's super easy just book uh, like instead of going direct to booking.com so booking.com also have their own like loyalty program but you can book on booking.com through raise so then booking.com send a percentage of the revenue back to raise which is then invested where you can also earn like <laughs> credits and all this sort of stuff. So it's like, you know, re- loyalty on loyalty. So hack the system, definitely. Um, but you can make, like these are things, once you set them up, you don't need to touch them again. They just happen. Yeah. And I think m- more and more people are realizing that. Like Velocity point, the Velocity from Virgin is free to join. Qantas is free to join as far as I know. So like you can just go and do these things. Mm. And S- the 7-Eleven app. 7-Eleven app for the we fuel, locking in the yeah. fuel. I do that. So now I do that because that's linked to my Velocity account. I do that when I'm at the Bowser because I always forget. So I'm like, oh, Wednesdays are a great day to lock it in. I don't even think about that. I just literally do it when I'm at the Bowser, walking into the store, and just scan the, that. Easy. So I, I, I estimate I save between one and 200 bucks a year. <laughs> it's something small, but it, it's literally me pulling out my phone, which I'm going to pay with anyway to get to the cash register. Mm, and even think small things that you could do, like unsubscribing from brand emails where you know you'll be enticed to spend money that maybe mm-hmm. isn't 
available yeah. in your budget at the moment. Yeah, remove the temptation. Like go through if you if it's raining this weekend, put ten minutes aside in your calendar and go through your deleted items and just go and delete go and unsubscribe from maybe twenty different brands that you mm. know that you'll be enticed to spend money at. Absolutely. Yeah. Um I've been doing that a lot lately, but I think you mentioned there that like budgeting. I redid the budget in January. Uh, and I'm so grateful for that because now I know exactly what I can spend and what I can't. Um, so I'd encourage anyone just to have a quick look at their budget and just have a look at some of the things. They may not be subscriptions. They may just be recurring payments through Up. You can do that yeah. through uh, heaps of different platforms. Pearl is working on something for this app actually at the moment, sponsor of the show, of course. Um, Pearl are working on a way to like analyze your bank statements and everything as well. And even if you can, if you redo your budget, because now's probably a good time if you haven't looked at it for the last six months, it's probably worth going through and yeah. working out what's coming in and out of your bank account on a monthly basis. Where would you want to cut expenses? Because expenses have increased in certain areas. That's why it's good to refresh this process because over the last six mm. months, many of your providers and bills have probably increased in price. Mm. And then even if you want to try visualizing it and something that I want to try maybe in the next week or two is kind of doing a, a flow chart. So not oh, of every single day, expense, yeah. but I've got income coming in and then like where I send it at that point and sort of the key baskets I split it into just so I've got a really visual picture of what's coming in and out of my financial life on a monthly basis. That's cool. I like that. So I'll let you know how, no, how that goes. Go. Show us the flow chart. <laughs> um, the, the other thing that we saw this week, um, shared on Twitter as well, and I think we mentioned it in our chat, which is uh, Amazon increased their prices. So most of us in Australia are on that beautiful $6.99 a month which gets you the Amazon Prime video and I believe it gets you your free delivery mm -hmm. and good prices on stuff online. And they're going to increase it to $9.99, which might not seem like much, but it's actually a 42% increase. <laughs> so It's well, quite substantial over 12 months. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a big difference. But people were telling me, and we've had a few people write in and say this before, that you can actually save 30% anyway if you do the yearly option up front. So that's definitely something to do before the Amazon Prime mm. prices change. A few of those subscription providers let you lock in 12 months for quite a big discount. So yeah. that might be if you do have the cash position, you're in the cash position right now to do that, considering yeah. can I lock in something for 12 months before the prices increase? Do I get a discount? And even if they don't advertise on their website, maybe just email them and ask, do I get a discount if I pay for 12 months up front? Well, someone was saying to me that I should... Um because Amazon's got the best customer service and they give you everything for free. You just DM them and say, hey, like, listen, I'm not really happy with this. I don't know if I should continue. And I'm willing to do a 12-month plan, but what can you do for me? Maybe they'll come back and say, well, we'll do it for like 40 bucks or 50 bucks or something. Amazon's probably going to hate us right now. But you, you get the idea. You might be able to negotiate and just get it cheaper anyway. Um, obviously, there's a limit. <laughs> you don't want to do this with your small business around the corner or your craft store. Um, but... Yeah, for a business like Amazon, I can definitely afford it. Uh, the next one is uh, Hunt for a Savings Account. Monique was telling us that uh, her and her partner have just been on this journey together uh, and it's really a, a good time to be shopping for savings accounts. Um, 5% as we did, I think it was a few weeks ago now where we talked about like ING, Macquarie, yeah, all of the leading savings still, accounts. still doing a cheeky 5%. They've got a few hurdles yeah, like there, so be mindful. I've had a few friends mention recently one of the reasons they didn't decide to use the ING savings account is because they weren't able to meet those monthly yeah. hurdles because whatever about their pay 
positional things like that. So yeah, yeah still five percent with those three hurdles that we've mentioned in the past. But there are heaps. If you want to go back to that episode, just look around. It's it always seems to be the same banks creeping yeah. to the top. Ubank four point six percent. Ubank. There was a um. Uh, an article in the AFR the other day saying that Macquarie is like winning the term deposit war. It is like getting all the term deposits in because it offers consistently offers the best rate. It's not like one rate from like ANZ or whatever that's just like, oh, yeah, we're going to offer this one rate for one day and look how good we are. It's actually like consistently the top payer yeah. on term deposits. So but They're offering 4.4% for one year at the moment for a term deposit at Macquarie Bank. Deposit. See, this is what we're going to see, I think, from here, Kate. And this is what I mentioned in my message to you earlier on. Um, I actually think that term deposits will start to fall. Because remember how I said like the three-year rate is when you look forward on interest rates. It looks like it's going to fall. It looks like. It doesn't not always right. Yeah. That is, is also informs their term deposits. So, a few of the banks have started dropping their term deposits in the background. So, if you are considering, we don't say to lock in all of your money, but if you're considering locking in some, maybe now is a really good time to start setting those smaller term deposits up to lock in that higher rate. You don't want to lock all your money in just because, just in case interest rates continue to go up and then you've got it at a lower rate, of course. Um, but that's definitely something. And if you've got an offset account, you want to use that before you use a term deposit anyway. So Yeah, making use of your offset account if you've got it and you can have all your bills direct debited from that account so the money can sit there for as long as possible. Absolutely, you can. Absolutely. Um, we've already mentioned investing, Kate, but uh, like there, there is going to come a time when you will be in a position, chances are, where it is a good time to invest more money. So being in a position of cash rather than debt does enable you peace of mind, but it also gives you heaps of flexibility when it comes to investing, like when you invest. Like we're getting a lot of questions on our investors podcast in particular of people who are who have saved really well and now they're wondering, well, I've got all this money sitting in my offset account. I'm wondering when is the time that I take it out of the offset account because I think interest rates will fall. I'll take the high interest rate and then put the money in the stock market. It's a very hard question to answer, by the way, but because um, no one really knows. But a lot of people underestimate the power of having cash. They think in like a daily or monthly or yearly term, like, oh, the interest rate is this. But there's actually a hidden power of having cash in your personal balance sheet. It's that um, you can buy more things at lower prices. And that is like a superpower, but it's really hard to do because it requires you to be patient. Um, so, I, like, I still have my emergency fund and all that sort of stuff mm. set up. That's that's all done and dusted. We don't talk. We don't talk about investing that money, but the other money that you might have sitting around, um, that's an opportunity to invest. And if you don't have that emergency fund, we always sell sell stuff. You know, sold a, sold some stuff the other day. Sold some paintings and a. You say you made a, a grand or two, two on over two grand Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, it was over like six seven weeks. Mm. But um, yeah. So that's just that was some of the. Fishing money that you mentioned. Ah, yeah, yeah. So I was I was grilling Owen on how he paid for all his uh, fishing kit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's where I spent a bit of it, and I'm actually doing my boat license. I haven't done my boat license after so many years, so that's actually contributed to that as well. So I took stuff that I wasn't using around the house because you just accumulate stuff. Your mum brings something over, and you just end up with it in your house, and you're like, "Mum, I'm going to get rid of this." <laughs> um, so so you're, you're offsetting your high cost hobby <laughs> with selling things around the house and also yeah. catching food that you don't have to now buy from the market. That is correct. Yeah, I was actually looking at a piece of flake the other day I'm in the supermarket. I'm helping you justified here. Thank you. Rationalize. Um, yeah, I was looking at a piece of flake in the supermarket and it was like, I was like, damn, my dinner tonight is like $60 worth of flake. 
But I didn't notice that because I caught it. Right? Yeah, and so, you wouldn't have bought that much no way. either way. <laughs> no so. way. So, yeah, that's um, yeah, just getting creative. And there's heaps of ways to say we're talking yesterday about shopping at like thrift shops. I did listen to Macklemore <laughs> who inspired that message, so not going to lie. Even just buying the fruit and veg that's on sale or mm. in season when you're out and about or trying your local fruit and veg grocer, they might have some potentially better prices. Yeah. And just thinking ahead a little bit more and being a bit savvier at the supermarket, I mean, at least that's what I'm trying to do. Typically, all the data shows that the first stress in people's lives is renting a mortgage, but then the next financial stress is groceries. Uh, and there are so many ways to save there. Like you said, you can meal prep, you can just shop for the ripe fruit and veg. It's not a bad thing to get the thing that's like on sale or the, the meat that's today only, you know, if you're going to eat it or you're going to freeze it. Like that's such a good idea. It's so good. It's such an easy way to save. I can't remember his name who we had on the show. He was um, a dietitian. I think he might have had even a PhD. I can't remember exactly, but he spoke about- It was a while ago, Yeah, superfoods. And he talked about how like people always say it's really expensive to eat healthy. When I And he disagreed and I couldn't disagree more because you can get like legumes and- all these types of things for like 70 cents a can. Like it's not, if you just get a little bit creative and you prep it a little bit, it's actually really effective ways. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to bring up the pine nut saga. Rowan's <laughs> <laughs> got a chip on his shoulder about pine nuts. <laughs> a lot of people wrote into me and said, you can't, how could you make that meal for under four bucks or whatever I said. Uh, anyway, the final thing that we've got on our list here, Kate, is to, it, is to think about, you know, your CV and shopping around for a job. We mentioned even though interest rates are really high, what's really weird about this kind of not recession, recession that people are experiencing is that the unemployment level is so low that people can just get a new job. And that's what makes this type of market really weird because normally you would associate this with not that, but we hear of the redundancies in the news, yet the unemployment rate is still so low. So there are jobs around. Mm. So if you're not satisfied with your job, if you're not getting the pay rise you think you deserve, look on seek. It's also just a good reminder, even if you're super happy with your job, to keep your CV updated on a yearly basis because often we Mm. work at a job for years and then we try to figure out how do I actually convey what I just did over the last three years into a few sentences. So updating your CV, updating your LinkedIn, at least on a yearly basis would be great, even if you're not hunting for jobs. LinkedIn's a good one. You never know Yeah, you might realize, oh, there's a qualification a lot of people are getting in my industry that I don't have. Maybe that's something I want to consider. Maybe there's some extra skills I can learn about technology that's emerging in my industry that I could focus on over the next few weeks. And maybe there's a way to put a case to my employer for a pay rise. And we had a great conversation with Shelley Johnson mm-hmm. earlier this year. I'll link that in the show notes. Um, she's got a fantastic book, Sort Your Career Out, with Glenn James, that if careers are something that interests you, that is a fantastic resource. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's, you need to look around at some of the technology that's emerging that makes people's jobs feel insecure. Uh, and so it's a good time to upskill, right? Uh, that technology affects everyone's industry, basically. So, sh- you know, sh- look around and see what's happening and see what skills you can do. I think we didn't mention the idea of side hustles. Some people do side hustles in case of emergency, uh, which is completely fine. Like financial emergency, you go and get a side hustle. But again, people, uh, because the um, unemployment level is so low, people don't have time. And what this implies is people don't have time to do those extra things like mowing lawns, picking up that extra work, that shift at Bunnings or whatever, um, that they might, you know, it might be not available. So there's all these options available to you. 
uh, to go and just give it a crack for a few months and earn a bit of extra cash that you can kind of put in a separate bank account or something like that. Now, we know it's not easy. We're not making a lot of it. But it's a challenge. But there are options. Yeah, and we did an episode a few months back on some of the ways our community was saving and making a bit of extra money. So there's different side hustle inspiration in that episode as well. Heaps, heaps of side hustle inspiration, yeah. Okay, so we've covered a lot of things. Um, just to recap some of them, the RBA raised interest rates, which will you will receive a letter from your bank if you're on a variable rate. If you're on a fixed rate, good for you. Um, it eventually will change, however. Uh, the, the outlook for interest rates seems to suggest that they could go down over time, although people get caught off guard. Uh, and that could be wrong. Cash rewards and discounts, so it's, make the most of them. Honey, cash rewards, raise, um, more are coming. 12-month um, uh, lock-ins on your, your subscriptions that you do want to keep. Things like Amazon that are increasing prices dramatically, actually. Um, lock them in for 12 months. That's what I'll be doing. Hunt for a savings account. ING has over 5%. But this, this is not like an endorsement for ING. It's just we're trying to illustrate where the rates are at. Um, Macquarie, Kate said on term deposits. Uh, you can use an offset account. If you don't have an offset account, offset account, please call your broker. We did an episode with Chris Bates, who is our mortgage broking partner. Um, you can go back and listen to that episode or find a link in your show notes. Be ready to invest because there, there's, the opportunities are there. We just need to uh, be ready for it when it comes. Sell stuff if you don't have that emergency fund tight or just sell stuff to fund your fishing um, hobby or whatever it is that you're into. Get a hobby that feeds you. <laughs> Get a hobby that feeds you. Well, look at the benefits. Do the veggie patch if you've got a space for one. And finally, get that killer CV up and running. Like make that um, that LinkedIn profile look like it's built on purpose, as Andrea Clark would say. Yeah. Uh, it's an it says something about you. So make sure it's shiny. Basically, focusing on what you can control. You personally cannot control what the RBA is going to do on a month to month basis, but you can control the decisions you make personally with your finances. So think about some small things that you can do this week to feel more in control of your financial situation right now. Yeah, absolutely. These small changes do add up. Yeah, you'd be surprised what you can put in your control or at least negotiate into your control, things like rental agreements or long-term rental agreements or things like this. It's interesting. Um, once you actually look and you kind of take the front foot rather than the back foot and you think, I'm going to change this thing and I'm just going to try it and even if it doesn't work, I'm going to try it anyway. Um, that's what we really encourage you to uh, start trying to believe in yourself as well. Um, well, Kate, this has been heaps of fun. So uh, thanks for joining me on this great episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone, and enjoy your day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and were able to take one thing away from this episode. If you're keen to learn more, head on over to Rask Education and take one of our free money and investing courses. You could even become a RAS Core member for less than your Netflix subscription each month. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes in your inbox every week. Plus, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send any questions our way via the link in the description. And before we go on, did this podcast contain personal financial advice just for me? Absolutely not, Kate. Our podcast actually contains general financial information only. What that means is the information does not take into account your financial needs, goals, objectives, or even your situation. So because of that, it's important that you consider if the information is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on it. If that all sounds a bit confusing or you're still working out what your needs are, it's a great idea to consult a licensed and trusted financial planner. And don't forget to do your own research. 
I am so excited to tell you that InvestSmart and Intelligent Investor are long-term sponsors of this podcast. And here's something I want to tell you about. The Intelligent Investor Select Value Fund is a unique mix of global leaders and homegrown small caps poised for long-term growth. The portfolio manager is Nathan Bell, a talented investor you may have heard on the Rust Network multiple times. The Select Value Fund is designed for investors seeking international diversification and Aussie companies with superior financial metrics. You can invest today at intelligentinvestor.com.au slash IISV offer. That's intelligentinvestor.com.au slash IISV offer. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Before you go, I wanted to share some things with you. Specifically, I wanted to tell you about the 10 ways that Rask could help you in 2024. As many of you know, Rask has grown to become one of the biggest investing and finance platforms in Australia. Across our podcasts, our websites, our memberships, and so on, we now engage around 200,000 Aussies, which considering we started in a humble lounge room on a Kmart desk, one of those old fake white wooden ones, I'm pretty ecstatic about where we are six years later. As part of becoming one of Australia's biggest platforms for wealth creation and preservation, we now have a very special position in the country in that we can bring you some of the best, most thoughtful, expert-driven ways to protect and grow your wealth. And I'm going to share some of those with you now. I've got 10 ways that we can potentially help you or match you with someone who can. The first thing that I want to tell you about is the biggest step we've ever taken at Rask, which is the launch of our Rask Invest platform. This is a platform that lets our team, led by me, invest for you, primarily through low-cost, diversified ETFs. We'll have three strategies at launch, and every investor who comes through can pick one of the three strategies being a balanced strategy, a growth strategy, and a high-growth strategy. The balanced strategy focuses on passive income and the high growth strategy focuses on longer term compounding. You will find a link in your podcast player to register your interest. We will be taking off soon. Number two, if you prefer to DIY your investing, you can join me and over 4,000 members inside Rascore. That's our full ETF and ASX share research membership community. You can join now and you'll get updated ETF portfolio recommendations every quarter, as well as ongoing ASX and global stock research. Every single month, we call them the all-star stocks. You get that alongside the ETF portfolios, as well as other members-only content. It's called Rascore. Number three, our first ever partnership with a business other than our own was a business by the name of Blusk, which has since become Flint Group. Flint Group is led by Chris Bates and Christian Stevens, two of Australia's most highly regarded mortgage brokers. Already over 200 RASC community members have begun the RASC plus Flint Group mortgage broking process. You can click the link in your podcast player if you're refinancing, investing, a first home buyer or whatever. You've probably heard Chris on the show many times. Number four, you can connect with our most trusted financial advisors. Whether you're 25 years old, just graduated uni and looking to set yourself up or approaching or in retirement and you've got that nest egg you want to protect and generate a passive income from, you can get in contact with our trusted panel of financial advisors. You can find the link 
in your podcast player. It's there each and every week. Just click the thing that says financial planning. Number five, if you want specialist insurance advice, as Warren Buffett said, rule number one is don't lose money. And rule number two is don't forget rule number one. Insurance is vitally important, especially when it comes to your number one asset, you. Whether you're a single income household or a couple and you just want to protect what would happen if you want to protect your family if something goes wrong. You want to protect your spouse if you lose your job. You want to protect yourself if you hurt yourself on the weekend at footy. Insurance is a way to do that. And I think the best way to do insurance is through a financial planner. And there's a few reasons for that. But one of them is sometimes some insurers will only work with financial advisors but they can also be your companion as you go through the sometimes daunting process of getting insurance done properly. Sometimes you might not even know, but you're not even covered, even though you think you are. So get the right advice. You'll find a link in the show notes to check that out. Number six, buying property. If you're like me and you're thinking of buying property in the next 12 months, or maybe you've already invested and you're looking to downsize, getting the right advice and being able to build wealth through property is a proven strategy. It might be one of the most contentious, but I think that we have one of Australia's best property coaches in our ranks. That is Pete Wargent. Pete is the host of the now super popular Australian property podcast by Rask, and he's also my analyst team's macro consultant. So if you're a member of Rascore, you will have seen Pete's name around the traps. He's a property coach and buyer's agent, and he works with a select number of people each and every year. Just a note on this. This is not a commercial thing with Pete. Pete just has great services, so we offer them to the community. And when he fills up, he fills up. You can find out more about Pete's coaching in the show notes. Next up, tracking your portfolio for tax. I think you are because I think you have to. So we've partnered with Nevexa to help you manage your share and ETF reporting, whether it's tax or performance. All RASC users get 20% off an annual plan with Nevexa. You can sync your portfolio with Nevexa's software and it automatically tracks your dividends, your capital gains tax, and more. Again, not a commercial partnership. We don't make anything from working with Nevexa, but they do create some great tools which the RASC community uses each and every day. Number eight, want to run your own business? Maybe you already do. If you want more profit, but less stress, less time consumed, and less energy lost, get in contact. We have a partner business called Inflection. The Inflection Accelerator Program is a complete online course that helps you and a community of members engage and follow a proven strategy for growing your business. I'm grateful to be one of the coaches inside the Accelerator program, helping business owners right across Australia. You can find more following the link in your podcast player. It's the one that says coaching. Number nine, if you haven't already checked it out, join over 20,000 other people who tune into the Rask YouTube channel. It is completely free and you get notified when we go live and when we publish podcast episodes. There is a podcast on the Rask network each and every day, as well as bite-sized material that's less than 60 seconds or those really punchy tutorials and webinars that are just 15 minutes that take you through a really exciting topic, whether it's how to buy a property, whether it's how to pick a dividend ETF. Some of our most popular content actually just explains things like, what the heck is franking credits and how do I calculate if I've got some? That's on our YouTube channel. Number 10, if you want to be a better investor, a saver, 
a better partner with money or just understand your own relationship with money, you can do that, all of that, by going to the Rask Education website and taking a free course. We've enrolled over 26,000 students at the time of this recording, and we're on a mission to get to 100,000 in the next few years. Rask Education is our mostly free education platform covering everything from budgeting and automation to the probably, I would say, the best value investing program in the country. So whether you're a value investor, an intermediate investor, you want to know how to value Woolworth shares, or you simply just want to understand what ethical investing is or buy your first property and what actually happens on settlement day, head to the Rask Education website and enroll in something today. It is free and it supports us because then I can come on here next month and I can say we've got 27,000. And hopefully we reach critical mass where we can help more Australians manage their money better. Thank you for listening to this long-winded ad. If you want to get in contact with me, you know where to go. There's a link in your show notes. Basically, these 10 services, even though some of them we don't make any money from, support RASC and allow us to produce these podcasts, attract the biggest and best guests from Australia and around the world, and bring them to you to answer your questions. Thank you for being part of the RASC network, and thank you for your ongoing support. Bye for now.